This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we kick off data protection series as we discuss some use cases for data protection with NetApp. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Brooklyn Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi, and I'm doing this show all by myself today. Uh, Andrew and Glenn are not in the studio or on WebEx, but we do have some data protection folks on the WebEx uh, for failover capabilities, of course. So what we're going to do today is we're going to do an, a, a high-level overview of data protection as it pertains to NetApp and how we can do that for you in your storage environments. And to do that, we've brought in a couple of guests here, uh, Nan Natathor. I'm the director of product management and technical marketing, been here with NetApp for uh, eight plus years, and I'm focused on all things data protection with uh, FAST on tap. And uh, Sid, uh, what about yourself? Uh, how, how long have you been here at NetApp? What do you do here? And uh, can we find you on social media? Uh, yes. Hi, Justin. So I am Siddharth. I'm a technical marketing engineer with the NetApp's data protection team for ONTAP. Uh, I've been working on SnapLock and then recently started working on SnapMirror, SnapVault stuff. Have been here two years. It's pretty exciting. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Siddhartha. As my, that's my first name and A145. That's my handle. All right. And we'll add, we'll add that to the show notes in case you didn't get that on the podcast. So uh, this episode is going to kick off a series of data protection episodes. We actually had a person email us at podcast.netup.com, and you could do that as well if you like, if you have show suggestions or questions. But they emailed us and they asked us about uh, if you know what we're doing with data protection, uh, if we have any updates since the last data protection episode, and he was right. I mean, we don't have anything since then. So we're going to start off with a high-level overview of what NetApp is doing currently with data protection solutions, as well as how it ties into the data fabric. And then we'll go into other uh, series episodes later on, going into more detail. But today is going to be high-level. We're going to cover some use cases. And to kick it all off, let's talk about the the bread and butter, if you would, of ONTAP and, and in data protection, the snapshot. So uh, who wants to take on the the snapshot use case? Sure, I can, I can go over. Uh, so... Uh, I mean, as we all know, a snapshot technology, it has been there with uh, NetApp and with ONTA for such a long time. Uh, it is basically a point-in-time copy technology, uh, which provides you with instant data copies. So you have your file system, and then you can keep ta- taking snapshots uh, on, a, on a volume level uh, to provide these point-in-time copies. Uh, and you can then store them, replicate them in case of backup or in case of DR, uh, to avoid storage fail- failover. What you said is right. With snapshots, you can do instant recoveries on your primary. Any operational uh, errors, any operational things that you have can all be done uh, from a snapshot. And you can also go back in time and reapply your snapshot and make it as a primary. I mean, this technology has been there uh, pretty much since the age of time with PNOFAS uh, and ONTAP, and you see everybody else doing pretty much the same thing today. All right, excellent. So snapshots are a good way of protecting your data. Um, that said, there is often a religious argument of whether a snapshot is truly a backup. Um, would you, one of you like to tackle that? Sure. It's uh, no, 
snapshot truly a backup, uh, it depends. If your snapshot is based off your uh, primary uh, data set, uh, like the technology that we use, you essentially are saying, hey, you know, along with the uh, copy of new blocks that are there, you also require your primary data to be you know, made available to look at a snapshot. And that's why, as I said, it's a snapshot is a good way of looking at your uh, data for operational recovery. Whenever you are in need of a copy of your data, a virtual for protecting your primary, that's where either you can mirror your primary or you can create backups of your primary, and those all can be done very efficiently using NetApp technologies. So you can create copies of data for the purpose of no backup or DR, and no, that's as easy as creating a snapshot. Okay. So uh, as far as backups go, I mean, we, we can move on to another data protection uh, piece of the puzzle. And, and really, this isn't a backup thing. It's more of a business continuity thing. So let's, let's move on to Metro Cluster. So this is another NetApp feature that we have available for data protection use cases. Uh, and if Anon, if you want to go into what Metro Cluster is and how it applies to the data protection portion of NetApp's portfolio. Absolutely. So Metro Cluster, as the name you know, suggests, uh, allows you to have high availability between two clusters, uh, two NetApp you know, on-tap clusters. You have the high availability within a cluster, and that's why you can, you know, where you can fail over between one node and the partner node takes care. Now, if you want to have two different sites, and the sites could be you know, as far as uh, 300 kilometers, and you want the high availability between these two sites, and that's exactly where Metro Cluster you know, fits in. It could be uh, far, or it could be within a campus, uh, say less than uh, uh, 20 meters between two floors. You could have a setup where one complete cluster fails over and the other cluster takes care of everything. So all your data points move from one side to another side. is available readily on the other side. Uh, we mirror every piece of data point from one side to another side. That way, you have copies available on both sides. And if, in case of a disaster or in case of a need that you want to fail over to the other side, you do a complete storage failover to the other side, and data is instantly available for you. So your applications which are looking on the primary side can now start looking onto the secondary side, and they say, hey, you know, data is there instantaneously. And Metro Cluster is uh, connected with or tightly integrated with some of the applications. Uh, for example, it's uh, integrated with uh, uh, VMware. So that way, when you fail over to the other side, you have availability of all the VMs on the other side. It's uh, integrated with uh, Microsoft Always On technology. So when your SQL Server goes from one side to another side, again, you have availability on the other side for all the you know, integrated databases with SQL. So Metro Cluster, in essence, provides you business continuity and makes sure that your data is available on the other side. That's kind of one of the key you know, uh, tenets of uh, data protection is you know, data should be available for you always. Yeah, and it essentially is a stretch cluster, right? It's an HA pair that's stretched across, or, or more than an HA pair, like an entire cluster in some cases, like multiple nodes on one site, multiple nodes on the other site. 
the ability to fail over to the other site in the event of a disaster or an outage. Um, one of the most popular uh, uses we see with MetroCluster is in Europe with the regions and being able to have the distance work out in their favor because they're not as spread far apart as a lot of companies are in America. Like sometimes you have a company in LA, sometimes you have a company in New York, and you're, there's no way you're going to be able to get that distance to work out in your favor for Metro Cluster because it's just too far. And the distance considerations have to do with the amount of time it takes to be able to commit rights in the event of a disaster, right? Absolutely, that's right. So distance is one thing, and the configurations are the, the other pieces. You mentioned you know, stretch cluster. So metro cluster is available in you know, all different flavors, uh, two node, a four node, uh, eight node, uh, where you could have four nodes on each side is what we call a, you know, a, a you know, eight node cluster. You could have eight nodes on each side, so 16 node cluster. You could have just one node on each side, and that's a two node cluster. And in that two-node configuration, you could you know, have a single cluster stretched across. So those are different configurations that are there. So it gives you the flexibility to choose what exactly you want. And it gives you that availability. There are a lot of places where you just want to go, as I said earlier, between you know, two floors, right? And there are a lot of times customers have systems across you know, very short distances. Uh, uh, Europe is a predominantly uh, a nice place where you see you know, these kind of uh, you know, situations. Unlike the U.S. where somebody would say, I want to go from East Coast to West Coast, you find shorter distances pretty much there uh, in Europe. And even in U.S., we have, for example, in California, since it's, it's an earthquake-prone zone, we see a lot of customers are using this for that sort of use case, or if in case one of your labs gets flooded, then you can always use the the equipment in the other lab to uh, fail over. So just to add to that. So along that same vein, uh, we also have something called SVMDR. And this kind of ties ties us in between business continuity as well as asynchronous uh, DR. So let's talk about SVMDR before we go into asynchronous DR. Um, So what are some of the benefits to having an SVMDR setup? Yeah. So one of the key things around uh, no, SVMDR is all about tenant-level DR. SVMs are storage virtual machines allow you to look at a single uh, fast system as multiple fast systems by providing tenant-level capabilities, right? So that's where you, know, you can create you know, as high as 1,000 SVMs within a, a single fast system. Uh, for folks who come from the virtualization world, this is nothing but storage virtualization, right? Now, once you have created an SVM and uh, you know, you've given it a certain protocol, a set of storage, and made it available to your application, when your application fails over to the other side, you want to make sure that your storage is also you know, failing over to the other side. Now, if you were to do it more granularly, then you will have to make sure you got all the bits and pieces available. Now, when you're doing it at uh, SVM level, your SVM will take care of all the contents within the SVM. So you could have uh, a set of uh, protocols for your log files. You could have a set of protocols for some of your other uh, data files that are there. They all will be, as part of the SVM DR, made available on the DR site. 
and that replication happens behind the scenes for you and when you do an SVMDR they are available to you on the other side and SVMDR is also PNOM storage efficient uh, uh, transportation mechanism it uses that mechanism so that way if you have efficiency built on your primary side when you go to the secondary side you have all those efficiently available on the other side so the key benefit is if you're thinking of a whole pack of things within an SVM it's easy to migrate that complete container onto the other side using SVMDR. Okay, so that's another uh, way of doing sort of a business continuity piece without having the instantaneous failover that you'd have with MetroCluster. Um, and with SVMDR, you have the capability to fail over non-disruptively in some cases. For example, if I have NFS mounts, I can set the preserve file handle to be true and then have the same IP addresses assigned to the SVMDR instance. And as they carry over to the disaster recovery site, when we have a failover, we don't have any disruption in service. So we get pretty seamless, non-disruptive uh, failovers of our SVMs at volume granular levels if needed. Absolutely. So there are two capabilities. One called Identity Preserve. And as Justin, you said, when you use Identity Preserve, you maintain those handles, you maintain those configurations and their available assets on the uh, secondary side. So your apps don't need to change anything at all. And, and beyond that use case, we also have seen this in the past with just seven mode systems. We can use disaster recovery destinations as test environments or as backup uh, and recovery pieces, right? So we can use the SVMDR as a testing uh, test bed by keeping all of the configurations from the source uh, piece and the volumes that we have over there and bringing them over to the destination side and develop and do flex clones and that sort of thing on the destination as opposed to having to work on that production system, which may take up valuable resources that we're using in production. That's absolutely right, Justin. So there's a slick way of using SVMDR. You could go on to a, a test dev site on a remote location, uh, create a, a replica there, and then you know, once you break the uh, relationship you can do what you want on the other side and or as you said you could clone and create another copy and then work off off on the you know, other side so there are different ways in which you know you could do it what's applicable generally for uh, a more granular container like a volume is made available for a complete svm so that's the simplicity of you know, using svmdr Okay, so we have the asynchronous capabilities of SVMDR, which can do things disruptively or non-disruptively as you, as you like. Um, so now let's move into asynchronous DR, which includes SnapMirror. So, uh, Sid, if you could yeah. give us a kind of high-level overview of what SnapMirror does for us. Sure, yeah. SnapMirror, as we discussed, MetroCluster, which provides you with the synchronous capabilities. SnapMirror provides you with the asynchronous DR capability uh, to provide you with the business continuity across a uh, sort of broad spectrum of recovery point and recovery time objectives, which is your RPO and RTO. So with Snap Mirror, you can uh, reduce your network bandwidth by almost 20% with the, the with the, all the efficiency technologies which we have with compression and DDoP and stuff. Uh, it provides you with so much of product simplicity uh, with lower management overhead. And then uh, you can use the same technology in order to uh, either replicate on-site or to go to the cloud and provide you with hybrid cloud data protection. That's uh, sort of an overview uh, of what SnapMirror can do. It's, it's okay. a very powerful technology which we have in ONTAP. 
So there's some enhancements to SnapMirror we've had in the in the recent years that kind of improve upon it. So I know that one of the enhancements that I'm fond of is the version-independent SnapMirror. Um, so if you could give us a little bit Definitely. of detail about how that works and what it does sure. and what it buys us. Sure. So we launched something called SnapMirror Unified Replication in ONTAP 8.3. So it has been there for uh, for a long time. And, and the, for the folks who are familiar with the replication technologies of block replication versus logical replication. Uh, so that's what we are trying to promote in the field and encouraging customers to use logical replication because we are trying to get to that point where everyone becomes part of data fabric. And that's where that unified replication comes into picture. So with SnapMirror unified replication, with the same baseline, with a single baseline, you can achieve both DR and backup scenario. And the other thing which that which it provides you with is the version flexible replication. So earlier you we had this uh, restriction where your primary or, or your secondary system has to be release has to be on the same on tap release or higher on tap release as your source. But with version flexible, that restriction is no longer there. So you can uh, your destination system uh, can be either on a lower on-tap release or on a higher on-tap release amongst the supported releases, and you can do your uh, failover or your replication from your source to destination. Yeah, and one benefit of that is that if you are a storage administrator, you don't have to coordinate upgrades across multiple data centers at one time, right? Exactly. I don't have to to take an entire weekend to do my upgrades because now I know that I can do the destination site first if I want to, and then the source one later, and not have to worry about if I'm going to be able to fail over in the event of a disaster with the with that time frame. Um, yep. So yeah, so that, that's that's the key benefit of version independent. But what it also does, the unified snap mirror engine, is it combines the mirror and the vault like you talked about. So one thing that came out of that is something called Mirror Vault. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what that is? Sure. So we have these. Uh, we have always had these two separate products earlier. Right, Snap Mirror for your data uh, for your disaster recovery and Snap Vault for backup, right? And then we got this sort of feedback from the field that why do you need two separate baselines in order to have DR and backup? So that's where that innovation came from, and that's when we came up with this Mirror Vault policy. In which case, with a single baseline on the same volume, you can have your snapshots which are for which are, which are meant for disaster recovery uh, which is mirror and the vault piece where you can have snapshots which are meant for the backup uh, purposes which can be retained for longer as long as uh, seven year uh, with your unified seven year policy so that's what it provides you with with that with a single baseline you reduce your sort of uh, 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 your bandwidth by 50% because it uh, that same baseline is providing you with both backup and DR. Yeah, and, and the reason that you do that is because the key difference between mirrors and vaults is that mirrors are exact copies of your source, which means that includes the snapshots, so one-to-one. Yes. And whereas vault, I can keep extra snapshots around if I need to and keep them longer. Um, yes, you can yeah. have your critical snapshot copies on your on your primary the system, and you, uh, for example, for 30 days, your daily copies, and if you want to have longer weekly the or monthly or yearly snapshot copies you can put them on your secondary system okay so the snap vault piece covers um one of the backup uh functionality portions of netapp and the portfolio 
What other backup solutions do we have available to us in the data protection realm? So taking it a step further, you can use the same technology and we have integration with another product line called AltaVault, right? For So with SnapVault, you can have either disk-to-disk backups or disk-to-tape or even disk-to-cloud. So for disk-to-disk, you can use unified replication to replicate these copies, these snapshot copies uh, from one system to the another. Or you can use AltaVault and send these copies uh, either to uh, to ONTAP Cloud or and then we have another another feature on ONTAP called Fabric Pool, uh, which you can use to tier uh, that data onto the third-party cloud storage. I'm sure Anand has uh, more points to add to that. If you if you're taking data to the cloud, which is kind of every single CAO's uh, request or mandate to make use of cloud from a cloud economics perspective, you certainly can take data from uh, ONTAP on-prem and go to the cloud to ONTAP cloud. At the same time, you want to go to multiple clouds and want to have the ability to use third-party traditional backup vendor applications, we have AltaVault, which also works with the you know, existing ONTAP framework. And as Sid said, you could go to an AltaVault, which you know, allows you to keep cache data for, say, 30 days on-prem, and then after that automatically creates a copy in the cloud. So you can go to a cloud, use an AltaVault virtual, and restore data from there. So those are two easy ways of uh, going to the cloud. And at the same time, using AltaVault, you need not necessarily go to a, a public cloud like an Amazon. You can go to a, a, a private cloud. You can create an object cloud using a storage grid, NetApp storage grid. So that way, you know, your data is still residing on three different sites. You have the ability to recover from any point within your uh, spreaded uh, enterprise. So those are easy ways of uh, going to the cloud using the current on-tap mechanisms. So what are some of the benefits of going to the cloud? I mean, I know we can do, you know, migration or data protection to the cloud. Why would I want to do that to begin with? Yeah, good question, uh, Percy, because when people say I want to make use of cloud for cloud economics, what they really mean is this, right? I do most of my recoveries in the first 60 days. After 60 days, if I'm going to really recover, I'm willing to pay a slightly you know, higher SLA. Uh, I'm okay if it comes back within four hours. But in the first 60 days, I probably want that instantaneously. Since it is not more than four hours, for example, right, you want to keep it in a place where it is you know, less costly. Right, and that's exactly why customers want to you know, push data out, uh, keep it in a place where it is less costly. So, cost certainly is you know, one of the you know, primary reasons. Second is data, if it is kept on premise, and that's kind of what we are seeing from a you know, market trend perspective. Keeping data on premise is ending up being cost, ending up being more space, uh, ending up needing a lot of other stuff to keep data on premise. That's where you know, the archiving use case also comes into picture. There are a lot of files and a lot of data within your environment that you probably are not you know, utilizing, and those all could be kept in a place where you know, they could have a higher SLA, right? 
if you haven't not touched a file in the last 10 years do you really want to keep that particular file on on premise you would rather keep it in a place where it is no less costlier so you can archive old files so that would be the you know, other benefit of going to the cloud is you could directly go and keep the data there right and need, take it when it is needed and finally you can think of it as uh, Place where if you are really looking at the cloud as a place to do your uh, off-prem uh, development, lot of uh, you know, third platform born in the cloud applications require you to you know, keep data in the cloud because it's easy to get compute in the cloud. Think of Amazon. You can easily spin up a you know, VM in Amazon within a fraction of time as opposed to getting physical hardware here. So when you move data off to the cloud, then you can create a compute instance and instantaneously start making use of the data. Think of analytics in the cloud. So for those use cases, you want to create a copy in the cloud, and that's another reason why, outside of the traditional backup and archive, customers would want to move data to the cloud so they can do development in the cloud where it's a spin-up, spin-down model, and it's very cost-effective. Are we able to do SVMDR into ONTAP Cloud to do sort of that failover or that, um, not the failover, but the, the dev instance so we can actually create different IP addresses but use the same data? Yes, we are headed down that path. That's something that we have not fully tested uh, and validated today, but that's certainly one of the use cases that you want to enable because within the ONTAP framework, it doesn't matter where your ONTAP is and what type of font app it is. It's running on what platform. So that is something that you know, we'd be able to uh, make sure is available for customers to use in a reasonable you know, time frame. Okay. We talked about cloud and we talked about backups and you know why people would want to use the cloud. What if I want to use the cloud for compliance or what if I want to just use compliance in general in, in NetApp uh, storage? How would I do compliance with my data protection fe feature functionality? That's a great question, Justin. So that's we have a product called SnapLock uh, on ONTAP. So that's the first uh, feature uh, which I worked on when I joined NetApp, and I'm still working on that because we have a lot of exciting features coming up for SnapLock in our future releases, um, and I'm sure we'll cover them later uh, in the other podcast. But yes, SnapLock is the answer for that. If you have any compliant data or any if you have to fulfill any governance or any compliance regulations, uh, you need to have a uh, snap lock. And that's just a, a flick of a switch. Uh, it's a feature on ONTAP. All you have to do is just create another aggregate of type snap lock, and you can start putting your data there. Once you put it there, uh, nobody can go ahead and delete or modify or uh, do any funny stuff uh, with that data. So we have a lot of customers from healthcare sector from financial sector uh, who have to fulfill compliance regulations, such as your SEC 17A4 from Security and Exchange Commission, or you guys might have heard of HIPAA for healthcare. So these sort of compliance regulations, uh, when you have to fulfill them, that's where SnapLock comes into picture. And we have uh, two flavors of it, SnapLock Enterprise and SnapLock Compliance. So we see a lot of customers who don't have to fulfill these compliance regulations, but they just want to use um, uh, these kind of features for risk mitigation, right? If you want to store your employee records or if insurance agency has to store uh, the data for their customers uh, based on the uh, different retention periods, 
they can use Snaplock Enterprise where an administrator is allowed to go ahead and uh, delete that data before the retention period expires in order to reclaim that space. For example, if I switch my uh, provider, if I change to a different guy, then uh, they might want to delete that data after certain years. So yeah, for the fulfilling uh, those sort of use cases, uh, we have Snaplock. Okay, so are you seeing a lot of demand for doing compliance like Snaplock in the cloud, or are people keeping that sort of data on-premises? Um, not yet, not yet, because when it comes to compliance data, uh, regulators or auditors, they don't trust you to keep your data with the third-party storage. So based on the use case, uh, currently we are not seeing that, but it doesn't mean that we are not working on that. In the background, we have to be... Uh, up to date with uh, what can be there in the future. So we are always sort of on our toes to uh, be there in the market when the, when the need is there. So yes, we are always thinking of the use cases which can be there uh, sort of five years in the future or 10 years in the future. But uh, currently, uh, Snaplog is not there on the cloud, but when it's when it is needed, I'm sure we'll be there. Yeah, so compliance as a need uh, in a, uh, should I say, shared cloud-like environment is certainly the direction of the future. So customers are today asking us if we could have compliance as available to different groups within the enterprise. As Sid said, the need for compliance is coming both from a regulatory purpose as well as from a you know, uh, enterprise uh, requirement. You want to you know, keep data for some period of time, and after that period of time, you want to delete it. You know, as Sid said, when an employee leaves an organization, you want to keep his data for some period of time. So that data, after an employee is left, need not necessarily be on uh, in your you know, data center drives. It could be in a shared location where you want to archive data and keep, and that could be your private cloud. So this need for keeping uh, compliance data in the cloud has to you know, be within the larger framework of what is uh, available as uh, GDPR, you know, where can I keep up you know, data, is it within the same locale, within the same country. So once those are all set up, then you would see the need for compliance data being in a, in a public cloud-like environment. But the need for making sure compliance is available as a service, as a capability within an enterprise it's pretty huge and looking at all the functionality that Snaplock provides today like uh, lock management or worm we are there to provide all those functionalities to enterprises today so as far as compliance goes i mean we have Snaplock and the ability to either lock it down from a compliance perspective with a clock or the enterprise level where we can actually do storage administrators setting the clock and being able to manage that from their own uh, storage administrator buckets, right? They don't have to worry about dealing with a clock that they have to wait to expire. Um, so, you know, we, we can do compliance and we can lock things down, but keeping stuff around that long can take up space and take up money, especially when we're doing it all on-prem. How are we solving the problem of keeping data around for long periods of time and trying to save customers money with that particular data set? Yeah, so I think this is exactly you know, why we have uh, gone around and started to create a, a solution called data protection uh, bundle. What 
it initially does today is it allows you to consolidate your different backup targets and your different mirror targets into one single platform. And today it's available with the FAS8200 platform, and eventually it will start supporting other platforms as well. Uh, as Sid mentioned earlier, we talked about SnapMirror Unified Replication. One of the primary purposes of, of that capability is to have a single stream sent out. And with that single stream, you save space uh, on your target. You also save space uh, as well as transmission cost because you're sending one single block. Now imagine this capability coming from multiple of those systems on the primary. You want to have an efficient system on the secondary, which is your target, to accommodate multiple connections, multiple fan-ins coming in from your different sources. It needs to provide better uh, efficiency ratios, which needs to go beyond the current limits that we have. Those are kind of things that we have planned and will be made available as part of the data production uh, bundle. Now, in addition to just making sure that you, know, you got efficiency coming in this fashion, think of efficiency that you can derive when you are essentially replicating data from your primary system to your secondary system. We all know that most of the time, data that is being replicated from one side to another side, the working set is pretty small. The rest of the data that makes up, up you know, the entire data that's being replicated is all about data that is either in snapshots or pretty much data that is there that you are not you know, utilizing as part of your working set. That probably you know, forms more than 60, 70% of your data sets. If there is a way to make use of the same cloud economics to save space, then you have a powerful solution. And that's the solution we have today with what we are calling fabric pools. This allows you to make use of your cloud, could be a public cloud or could be even a private cloud for that matter, allows you to keep or tear blocks off to a lower cost storage. And that way it has all the metadata on your primary box. So you could think of doing a replication between an all-flash fast system and then another all-flash fast system, which is making use of fabric pool, but the target system need not be as beefy as your primary one. It could be a lightweight one, but it's making use of fabric pool and essentially making use of cloud economics to tear off data to the cloud. So that way you're saving on space, you're saving on cost, you're not you know, having you know, expensive SSDs sitting out there. So these are two ways in which uh, customers can save on efficiency beyond just keeping everything in the cloud. So as far as all this goes, I mean, how are we managing the data protection solutions? I mean, do we have something that can essentially manage this all together? Yeah, there are two ways in which you can you know, manage. We NetApp has a solution called Snap Center, which allows you to perform most of the operations that I mentioned, the ability to clone, the ability to backup. All these operations can be done from an application-centric perspective. The Snap Center product is essentially an evolution of the different Snap Manager products that were there available in the seven-mode time period as well as in the clustered on-tap time period, right? And it's a single place uh, 
from where you can now create virtual copies of your VMs using the Snap Center plugin for VMware. It can create uh, virtual copies of Oracle, SQL, Exchange, and SAP and SAP HANA. It can do create multiple copies, it can manage your snap relationships, it can manage your snapwall relationships, and at the same time, if you want to essentially take any of these copies and go to the cloud using AltaVault, it can manage that relationship as well. To begin with, uh, Snap Center has just recently started to provide uh, catalog and index information for data that's being sent to the cloud using AltaVault. Eventually, this functionality will be available for other use cases, but that's the primary use case it supports. With this basic functionality, think of what you get out of your traditional backup product. The ability to now go from uh, your primary data onto disk or to cloud with the need for catalog and index. That functionality is what Snap Center provides today. You will have that capability. You using that capability, you can go from a disk to a disk to a cloud, and you get the catalog and index that you need. So this is all managed using Snap Center. Now, NetApp is also tightly integrated with the traditional backup partners. The backup partners being Commvault, uh, Veeam, uh, Veritas, and Catlogic, and many others. So with these backup products, you have the ability to manage your traditional backups, and the traditional backups can be set on uh, data that's residing on NetApp storage, and many of these partners have tight integration with SnapMirror and SnapVault, and they can manage your snapshot schedules, they can manage your SnapMirror updates, and they allow you to go between two fast systems. And that allows you to get the same benefits that you get from SnapMirror. In this case, it's all being managed by the backup partner. Right? So you have two ways in which you can manage and orchestrate your complete data protection, one using SnapCenter and one using your traditional backup products. Any insight sessions worth looking into uh, relating to data protection coming up for Insight in Vegas? Absolutely. Sid is speaking on uh, two sessions. Uh, no, Sid will no, provide you the details. We also have uh, two sessions on Metro Cluster, uh, talking about uh, Metro Cluster uh, technicals. And we have a Birds of Feather session, uh, which where we want to no, get a bunch of customers to talk about what are their key issues, and the customers are going to speak among themselves as to how they are accomplishing those tasks. And finally, we have a session that's going to talk about data protection in the data fabric and how all of these are connected in the data fabric. Okay, and we'll include those session numbers in the show notes for the blog if uh, if you guys can hand those over to us. Yes, I'll, I'll share these session details with you. Uh, pretty excited about uh, Insight Vegas and then Berlin. So I'll be taking a session on uh, Snap Mirror and then one on SnapLock, um, and we'll be talking about exciting features which are coming up in the next release of ONTAP. Yeah, All right. and so. we also have a data prediction booth, and uh, we'll be there in the booth, and if you have any you know, follow-on questions, please feel free to reach out to us. 
All right. Sounds great. Okay, Anand and Sid, thanks so much for joining us today uh, on the Tech on Tap podcast. If you are interested in other episodes that were related to what we talked about today, uh, like I said, we're going to have some some additional episodes on data protection in this series. But we also had some episodes on Snap Center. So episode 98 covers Snap Center 3.0. Uh, we also had episode 92 where we talked about uh, Fabric Pool. So if you want to do a deep dive into Fabric Pool and learn a little bit more about that, feel free. And then in the future, we'll have episodes in depth on Snap Mirror, Snap Vault, Snap Lock, and the like. Again, Anand and Sid, thanks for joining us. How do we get in touch with you? Folks can reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Siddharth, S-I-D-D-H-A-R-T-H-A-145. Okay, and Anand? Yep. You can reach out to me via email, nadathur at nadap.com, and my Twitter handle is uh, anandgna, so you can reach out uh, in either one of these fashions. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast.netup.com or send us a tweet at NetUp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Anand Nethor and Sid Agarwal for joining us this week. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.